Can nurses create their own products as solutions to vexing clinical problems and challenges? Let's talk all about it right here on episode 253 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're here, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the airwaves for months or possibly even years. Thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, medicine, and beyond. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for the Nurse Keith Show? That's right. Head over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show when you rate it one star to five stars and leave a testimonial. And if you let me know you did so, I will thank you on air and read your review for all to hear. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 253. Today, we're welcoming friends of the pod, Tofiki Gafar Shainer and Joey Ferry of Frontier Health Resources, nurse inventors and innovators from the Bay Area. Welcome to you both, and let's get right into it. So, Joey, how can nurses be convinced that they hold the solutions to important problems in their own brilliant minds? That's that's the question. So, uh, it, <laughs> And we do. It's, it's amazing. So it's one thing, uh, nurses, we are the most creative profession. We're the most um, insightful a lot of times uh, when it comes to bedside uh, workarounds and just coming up with solutions on the spot. We have to do this in a very quick manner because of the type of profession we're in. And a lot of times we do this without even thinking. Uh, so we constantly encourage folks to tap into that and explore that element of what we're already doing and trying to hone those skills and think about things more outside the box because we're already doing these things. Um, now, how can we sort of uh, shift our brain to focusing on them um, and calling it creativity or innovation or things like that to help drive healthcare? Right, right. And there's so many strategies to deal with all these problems. And you know, I've talked about this with other guests on the show that oftentimes it seems like clinical devices and the things we use in patient care are designed by people who have no idea what patient care is like. Yep. And that's a real problem. And one of my recent interviews, we were discussing this idea of why aren't nurses involved in like that, that early prototype period when companies are designing stuff. So Tofiki, is this your first foray into actually inventing something and bringing a device to market, or is this something you've done before? I would say this is my first foray with uh, making a device and working through the prototype to product phase. Um, I've done other creative things, but nothing this, nothing of this large endeavor and nothing of uh, this extensive exciting that I've right. been a part of. So it's been, it's been kind of a fun ride. That's cool. And what's the fun part about it? Like, People might think, oh, inventing something and building a prototype sounds really stressful, <laughs> you know, so we can talk about the stressful parts, but what's fun about like coming up with cool ideas and making them happen? Uh, so I think the fun part is about taking something that you've been sitting on in your head throughout your career since your nursing student experience, like, oh, this could be improved by X, Y, Z, and then getting to actually see it 
in your hand and play with it and actually touch it, see how it interacts with the environment that you're placing it in or giving it to somebody else who has no idea that you've been working on this for years and years and then yeah. seeing them go like, oh my God, where's this been? So getting that feedback, getting that immediate like instant gratification from creating something that has value. And sometimes, you know, there's hidden misses, but at least you, you created it and you, you get to get in your hand. I think that's the fun part about making something that goes from your imagination that you were dreaming about to actually getting it in your physical hand. It's just, it's exciting every time. Yeah. Uh, Joey, do you agree? Is that the fun part for you or have you counted other parts that are really like exciting or really light you up? Uh, no, I agree 100% that that to me is the most exciting part. It's okay. seeing the look on other people's faces. Obviously, there's a lot of fun parts in between, um, but there's nothing like uh, creating something. And in fact, uh, at one point I was curious, you know, maybe getting a check in the mail is more exciting. But what I realized mm -hmm. very quickly is that doesn't matter. It's when you hand someone the device yeah. and you see the look on their face, there's nothing like that feeling. Okay. Well, there might be someone sitting out there listening right now who thinks, well, what device do they create? So Tofiki, would you like to give us a quick primer on safe seizure and what it is and then how it all came to be? Yeah. Um, so safe seizure for anybody who's, for all of us who've worked at the bedside, it's, there's always been this idea of how do you keep your patients safe? If they're at risk for a seizure. If they've had an active seizure outside the hospital or they're on uh, medications to prevent them from having from because they have a seizure history. So Joey and I, we were coming up with the idea of what are we currently using at the bedside? So for us and most people around the nation, it's using seizure pads that do not fit their current workflow and do not fit the beds that they have. And so management will, will buy a few due to their expensive uh, costs and all that. Management will buy a few and then the, you have five seizure pads for a unit of 40 beds. So you're gonna need 35 to fill that gap. There's not always gonna be five patients, there's gonna be 10 or more that need seizure precautions. And so Joey and I, we came across this problem and we decided that what works currently being used, those large pads that don't fit all beds, or the surprise, the not so secret secret is linen that everybody's been using to keep patients safe since God knows when. Hmm. And so we were like, this cannot be the standard and this cannot be okay. And so, for safe seizure is kind of to fill that gap that it works with the nurse workflow. It's a nurse first product. It's easily stowable in any um, unit uh, uh, closet or any unit uh, materials um, room. And in addition, it inflates on its own. It's wipeable, cleanable with any of your hospital wipes. In addition to that, it stays on the bedroll, giving nurses and CNAs and other bedside staff access to the buttons that are on the bed. That's the kind of biggest part is that the bigger pads and the linen, they cover up the buttons. So if I need to give my patient a large potassium pill and I want to bring their head up, how am I supposed to do that if I don't have access to the buttons? And right. so when we, when we were creating this, we wanted to make sure that nurses, this wouldn't be a hindrance to the nurse workflow. It would complement it, a glove to hand kind of fit, and it'd be perfect for that. And so that's what Safe Seizure does. Is it keeps patients safe and it fits nurse workflow that it's kind of a no-brainer. As soon as you get it on your patient's bed and use it, it's, it's, it's solving so many problems that the other products that we've had out there um, that have been out there have never solved. I see. And someone out there might be thinking, well, a lot of beds are different. So if you order safe seizure, how do you know it'll fit the bed that you have on your unit or in your facility? Yeah. So, so this is Joey. And that is actually when, as when Tofiki talks about the beginning stages of the development, 
from a bedside perspective, we were, we were fortunate. Our hospital had close to 10 different beds. And so uh, we knew that this product had to be universal. And so when we designed it, we went through a couple different um, prototypes and tinkering with the way our straps are positioned and things like that to make it as universal as possible. And, and honestly, we've put this thing on at least 15 different bed types from all manufacturers yeah. and from different all units, different units from ICU beds and so on, uh, all the way down to the gurneys in the emergency room. And they've been able to fit. And that's kind of one of our uh, points we like to drive home because hospitals switch beds often. Uh, mm -hmm. Patients, patients switch bed beds often throughout their stay, whether it's from an ICU to a gurney to a traditional med surge bed. So, uh, so yeah, that was on the top of our, one of the things on the top of our priority list. And we feel like we've done a pretty good job making it as universal as, as it can be, of course. Right. And my understanding is that both of you have BSNs and Tofiki, are you a hospital based nurse at this point? Yeah, I'm currently working as a cardiovascular neurovascular nurse. Um, and so I have strokes and heart attacks are my meat and potatoes. Those are my patients that I take care of um, at the bedside. Okay. And Joey, how about you? Yeah, so just a, a small correction. I am in process of getting my BSN. Um, so graduated from an ADN program, and I'm actually currently enrolled in school for my bachelor's, um, which I'm excited about. Uh, and then I work in what we call the float pool at our hospital. And so it's on traditional acute care setting, but I, I'll go anywhere from the emergency room to Tofiki's floor um, and all around the hospital, just depending on staffing needs, uh, things like that. Oh, so you're both in the same facility. Correct. That's yeah. how oh, we that's met. Cool. Oh, yeah, that's how you like met. To, yeah, our origin story is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Tofiki, do you want to take that? <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, Joey was floated to, my unit is on one floor, but the unit is, um, the floor is divided to two different units. I was floated to the other unit for the night, and um, Joey, being part of float pool, was also floated there. And so my job was kind of a resource nurse. I was just going around breaking nurses and helping them with whatever they needed help with. And I see this guy, we're about the same age, and we started talking about um, smartwatches. And we were talking about, hey, this new Samsung smartwatch is coming out in a few months or something like that. I have had, I'm a tech person, so I've had five or six smartwatches in the last four years or so. And so he was thinking of getting one. So as opposed to doing much, as opposed to doing our work, we kept talking about smartwatches all day. The rest of the <laughs> staff were just looking at us like, what are these guys, what are they doing? Our patients were fine. They didn't need anything. But everybody else, you know, when you start talking, you get excited in the room. They just kept looking at us and it was kind of funny. Um, and so we were like, wouldn't it be cool if nurses were able to communicate with each other via smartwatches? Wouldn't it be cool if I was able to see some of my patients' vitals in their EMAR on my, on my watch? And that's how, so I pulled him aside and wanted to trust and trusted him enough to show him what I'd been working on for a couple of months. So we went to get some coffee um, and I said, hey, this is what I've created. And he said, it's good, but it could be better. And so in the first few minutes of sh showing somebody something you've been working on for six months, you could take that as like a negative thing. But when you're an innovator where you're a creator, you have to be open to people's feedback, whether good or bad. True. And so him saying it, it's good, but it could be better, and me being open to it led us to the safe seizure product that you see on our website and that staff are using today. If I'd been shut off and said like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and just take it as a negative thing, we, this would not be here today. And so it was, I was kind of 
it's important to have that moment to be open to somebody who has positive feedback and you know they come from a creative perspective also. So I didn't take it as a negative thing because him and I spent the next four hours after work basically coming up with the prototype that is what the product we have today. And so going from smartwatches to safe seizure with the span of like eight to 10 hours of working and staying, staying at a coffee shop was amazing. Wow. So Joey, for you, when you saw this prototype, and obviously you'd already had this nice connection with Tofiki from the start, you know, meeting on the unit. When you saw that prototype, did bells go off in your head? Like, wow, this is pretty cool. And we could take this to another level. Absolutely. So the thing that that drew me in uh, to this, it wasn't, it's a problem that immediately when he showed me, as a bedside nurse, I immediately, it resonated because I too am frustrated with using blankets as a solution for various reasons. Uh, but it resonated on that level from a, from a nurse perspective, but also the creative side of me said, awesome. Like here's another guy who's trying to create something and invent something, um, and solve a solution, uh, all of those combined, I was blown away already. I was like, this is awesome. And then on top of that, I, you know, I seem to think that I have a knack for looking at things and then thinking of ways from a different perspective. It's um, your designer brain. Yeah, I have sort of a designer brain. I'm very uh -huh. detail-oriented. And so when I saw what he was doing, I was, immediately I could see so much potential in it. And the fact that it resonated so strongly with me, I was like, oh, man. I, I think... Yeah, I think if we if we maybe look at this from a different angle, think about it this way, uh, and then I just was so excited to be a part of it, and that he was willing to bring me on to be a part of it, and so right. it, it was really a really cool uh, moment actually. Right now, Joey, did you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement written out on a napkin in the coffee shop? <laughs> did you have me sign one? I don't think I did, which is. Oh which my is, god! Is, I know, I know. I think I was. I think I got. You know, and I'm being frank here. I think I, I became head over heels with Joey, and I was like, "This guy, this guy gets me." And him and I are clicking. So let me just put it out all there on the table, which is for others listening. Which is, it's a, sometimes you have to take calculated risks. Totally. And and yeah. I think it was it was a it was a calculated risk that, like I said, I felt like because he talked to me about other ideas. This guy's a Joey's done a lot of other businesses. Um, that some of them have, have kind of crossed over into healthcare. Some of them have been independent of healthcare. And so I think because of his experience and his innovative, like and designer brain, I was okay with showing him, but those are the risks that you have to kind of calculate on your own when you're making those things. And I think it worked out. Uh, luckily, Joey's a trustworthy guy. And so no, no napkin NDA, apparently. Apparently, yeah. no napkin right. NDA at the time, but um, in hindsight, it's probably been good to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we have this uh, interview, we basically have a substitute and airsets non-disclosure exactly exactly hey I, I see i'm getting teamed up against here oh sorry i'll, I'll team we can team up against tofiki in the second okay. half of all right the show. great um speaking of the second half we're going to take a break shortly but i wanted to ask another question so for both of you and let's start with joey um has there been a significant roadblock or something that's come up along the way that you think other people thinking about doing something like this might want to learn from you in that process? Sure. I think the biggest one for me um, 
that I've seen the most, I would say, is the first taking that first step. And I Uh think a lot of us feel like for all sorts of reasons, we can't take something out of our head and just, and when I say first step, I just mean getting it onto paper or, or sharing it with somebody, Uh, just getting it, exactly, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Getting it out of your head. And once you take that first step or those first two steps, you'd be surprised at how much that idea will take on for itself and Mm -hmm. it'll sort of start to build its own momentum. And so that's the thing I find for me is one, the most common, but sometimes the most, um, the biggest barrier when people talk about creating something or doing something, uh, because once you can break through that wall, a lot of times you have the momentum of whatever you're working on to help you break through all the other walls. And so, um, share your idea, whether it's with a non-disclosure agreement or, or not, uh, <clears throat> don't be afraid that ideas are silly. I'm one of those people that wake my wife up in the middle of the night with silly, silly, silly ideas or inventions that I, I may have. And I'm okay with getting shot down a hundred times and saying mm-hmm. those ideas are silly because I feel if I share a hundred ideas, the odds of having one that stands out is much greater than if I try and ideas in the fear that none of them may be good, if that makes sense. Right. What's your wife's name, Joey? Uh, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. So if Aaliyah, if you're listening, um, <laughs> you might want to invent something to prevent Joey from waking you up in the middle of the night. But we'll, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. That sounds, yes. What can make Joey save his ideas for, you know, after the alarm clock goes After off? the alarm clock, right. after 6 a.m. You're on to something, go. Keith. You're yeah, I think I am. And Tofiki, would you echo what Joey said? Or is there, are there things that came up for you even before Joey was on board with this whole process? Because you had six months prior to meeting him. It's, I think for most people, the, the, other, the other barrier is finding time to work on your passion, right? And so finding time to, to go, okay, I have this idea and I want to get it out of my head. Where am I going to find time to, to sketch it? Where am I going to find time to, um, to work on a 3D model or whatever it needs to be? And I think it's kind of, unfortunately, there's, there's, we have a lot of time, but because of modern day, there is no, everybody feels like they're always busy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a sense of, and there, there's, I think this was not, I don't remember where I got this from, but it was a, um, it's prior to the modern day century, uh, wealthy people would say I'm on vacation in the Poconos or I'm going to the Caribbean islands. And that was there. The sign of wealth was a sign of free time. Mm-hmm. And today, now that we're in the, the post.com boom and, and, um, and a lot of Silicon Valley CEOs, they talk about how busy they are. They have 10 different companies they're working on. And so that has trickled down to the average person just like ourselves. Everybody feels like they're busy. And the busier you are, the more value you seem to have um, in, in today's society. And that's, that's, the, that's the perspective. And so a lot of people feel, whether they are busy or not, they feel this social pressure to say that they are. And so and I'm saying, I think we have time in between um, binging the latest episode of whatever on the streaming website in between, um, and in between our commutes, whatever, there is time to listen to a podcast like yours, Keith, and gain education. There is time to, to, to flush out your ideas. It doesn't have to be a four-hour session like we did at a coffee shop. You just need to work on something about 20 to 30 minutes per week a lot and say, you know, honey or family or whoever significant other or to yourself in the mirror, Friday between 1 and 1.30 is my creative time. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to get that idea out. 
And the other part that, that I think barriers that people have is they feel like they have a lack of skills. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do 3D writing. I don't know how to do Photoshop. And the, the, the kicker and the greatest thing about being alive at this time is there are so many people out there on the internet that you can use as resources to fill gaps in your skill set. I'm one of those folks, again, I, I'm, I have a very creative spirit and I love working with things like Photoshop and design. <clears throat> but what we've realized is, you know, sometimes you just don't have the time or you need to be more efficient with your time. And as much as I would love to learn Adobe Illustrator, uh, because it's so much different than Photoshop, as much as I would love to use that, sometimes I don't have the time to put in the hours to become, to, be, to get to the skill level that we would expect from our business. Mm-hmm. I don't have that option. Um, but like he was saying, to be in 2020 starting a business, you have resources for everything. We just um, utilized some resources to spruce up a PowerPoint. Not that we couldn't do that, but it just takes that off of our plate. Uh, and you can outsource these things to so many different uh, online platforms that offer these sorts of things. Anything from a logo design to a PowerPoint presentation. 3D rendering. Um, 3D rendering. Uh, we, we've done most of our 3D rendering in-house. Yeah, Joey's really, really good at that. Um, I've been fortunate to have time in the past to get a little um, comfortable doing that. But if it's something more complicated, we have no problems handing that off to someone else so that we can free up our time to do the things that we only him and I can do. Right. I've experienced the same in my business. So I outsource certain things that I just don't have time or even interest in in learning how to do because you can't learn everything. So when we come back from a quick break, I want to talk more about how we go about setting up businesses like how do you actually go into business so if we could talk a little bit about your experiences of doing that that can be very intimidating to people as well I also want to talk about nursing school and what we do and don't learn in nursing school and also any projects you all have coming up or goals that are non-proprietary that you can share here on the air so we'll be right back with the second half of the nurse Keith show episode 253 So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of the Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. 
All right. Thanks for hanging out here on the Nurse Keith Show. Thanks for coming back for the second half of episode 253. We're talking to Tofiki and Joey of FrontierHealthResources.com. You definitely want to check them out. And make sure you go to the show notes at NurseKeith.com forward slash episode 253. There will be embedded videos and lots of information about Frontier Health Resources, about Safe Seizure, their original first product that they've developed and marketed, and anything else you'd like to learn about them, including getting in touch with Joey and Tofiki. So thank you both for hanging out with us here today. And let's talk a little bit about starting a business. Now, back in late 2011, I was hanging out on Twitter and I met a couple cool nurses and we started having Skype conversations and we launched RNFM Radio, our first podcast, which was actually one of the first nursing podcasts. And we formed a company and we didn't even meet in person for months and months later. We didn't live in the same parts of the country. So for you two, you all can actually like be in the same room, which is really <laughs> cool. So be that as it may, whether you're partnering with someone who lives in another part of the world or country, or you're partnering with somebody who lives like in the same apartment as you, what does it take to start a business? And how do you decide what to do? Because I think there's a lot of moving parts to starting a company. Joey, want to take the first crack at that? Yeah, sure. And so uh, Tofiki kind of had mentioned before that I had attempted to start several businesses prior to this one, um, all the way from, I don't know, maybe 19 years old is when I started some random business or started trying to start a business. So I've kind of had to re hit that reset button a few times and start from scratch. Uh, and one of the things we've been really fortunate with, uh, so a lot of people may see that as something that's truly overwhelming. I have no idea. You can go to a bookstore and they have three aisles about how to start a business. Um, but again, we're, it's 2020. 2020. You can pull up Google and literally ask it, how do I start a business? And it's going <laughs> to give you a template. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's one thing, you know, for us, just utilizing resources that are available to help you at least move through the process. Because a lot of the legal stuff can, can weigh you down a bit. You know, do mm -hmm. I start an LLC versus a sole proprietorship? Do right. I start a corporation versus, you know, this? So exactly. Uh, and then at each of those steps, you really have to take that time and review each thing so that you're setting yourself up um, for the future. But again, it's once you get that ball rolling, it's not as difficult as it may sound. Things like LegalZoom.com, uh -huh. you'd, you'd be surprised. You can literally create, I just helped my brother um, start his own LLC two weeks ago. Mm. Um, he just got all this paperwork in the mail and we did it on my laptop. So you could do this at a coffee house. You can do this uh, from a remote location if you have two business partners. So right. um, just don't so many do resources. it on a napkin, right? <laughs> do not <laughs> do it on a napkin. Those will get lost and greasy. <laughs> right. It's never, um, it's never a great idea. So yeah. So uh, for me, from my own um, experience, uh, it can sound a little intimidating when you're looking at it as a whole and you're and you're saying words like IRS you know, uh, it, it, you kind of get C a little Corp. nervous, C Corp or statement, uh, you know, or what's the, uh, secretary of state you're filing and you're doing all these things, just taking them step by step. Uh, and there's plenty of resources that kind of help you with that. Yeah. yeah. So. And so Fiki, had you encountered creating a business before or was this completely new to you? 
it was it was completely new. It was running on. I mean, learning on the run, kind of as, as they'd say, it's just learning okay. as as I go. And just we in were, time learning, we say. Just in time, right? exactly. Just in time learning and having to to figure things out on the fly, finding links to send each other, and says this is what um, it says about starting an LLC. This is what this starting a partnership means. What roles do we all get? And that's the other part about starting a business, especially when you have a partnership, is how do you divide roles with one another and how do you have, are you defining roles with the, with the lawyer in the room to make sure he's getting this percentage and means this task, this task. And when you're a startup, to be honest, you're just kind of, <laughs> kind of playing it by ear. When you have exactly. a kind of good, good partnership is like, Hey, are you free to do this this month? And are you free to do that this month? And for other people, maybe you do have an established business. Maybe you're merging them. That's when you want something with much more legal uh, structure, stuff like that. But when you're starting a, a, a startup, which most people are doing, you just kind of play to each strength. I know he's good at graphic design. He's good at networking. He's, do, he's good at doing other, all these other aspects. So I, I, I trust him with those aspects. And there's other aspects in my own strength. So we kind of play back and forth. With starting a business, I think in addition to knowing what to call your business and doing DBA, doing business as, um, and, and what type of tax structure you're going to have, when you have a partnership that might be in person or um, on the internet, defining roles is super important and making sure that you both are clear with each other and having clear communication so you know who's in charge of something. Is well important. said. Well said. Now, okay, who's CEO? <laughs> so, so speaking of which, we are still a startup, so we haven't truly identified things like CEO uh, because it's just him and I, and we co-founders. We are just co-founders, and we like that aspect of it currently right now. Um, we've had people with interest of joining the company that want to know those sorts of things. You know, mm -hmm. uh, what is your business structure? And for him and I, it's we hold each other to the highest level of accountability between one another and hold ourselves. And so at this point to have any titles, it, we understand the importance of it when we're talking to an investor or other people in the business world, because you look more structured and things like that, but we're perfectly comfortable. I think right now in our, in our process and our workflow, uh, to, not necessarily need those titles labels and, stuff. and labels. Uh, we both, um, yeah, we, the work is split down the middle um, and everything, you know, all the sweat and tears are split down the middle as well. So <laughs> all the, uh, all the sleepless nights are. Yeah. yeah uh, and, but you know what, we have a unique relationship like that. Not everybody has that. And so like Tofiki said, it, depending on what type of business relationship you're in, that's mm -hmm. also very important to nail those things out in the beginning. Yeah. Because down the road, it can get a little funky. Are you the COO? Are you the CEO? See, you know, those kind of things. So, um, but you know, when, when the time is right, him and I will sit down and it's not unheard to have two CEOs. Um, mm -hmm. so, right. Uh, and and I think it's, it, it's about, sorry, this is Tofiki here and this yeah. is, it's about clear communication. So when I think the communication is much more valuable than the labels. And so if him and I are communicating, who's doing what tasks and doing what, and each of us understand that, uh, it's much more important. And so, and I know a lot of people, when they start their business, it's exciting to give yourself these titles. Uh, and to give yourself these roles. But when you're partnering up with somebody, I'm much more excited in who's doing the work and making sure things get done to push the business forward as opposed to having a fancy thing on my on my card that I can show people. Right. <laughs> That's true. And I, I remember watching the movie The Social Network. You remember oh, that? Yeah. It was sort of yeah. semi-fictional about the start of Facebook. And I remember when Mark Zuckerberg 
chose to be CEO of Facebook, he had a card printed and on one side it was his name. On the other, it said, I'm CEO, bitch. <laughs> so, you know, it's like he took that pretty darn seriously. Yes. And um, I can understand that. And for the random nurse out there who's thinking about this, or let's say the random nurse out there who actually has an idea or maybe has a prototype in her backpack or his backpack, like Tufiki did, I personally would not recommend just sharing it with someone you meet at work yes, <laughs> and yes. hoping that they will honor your privacy and your idea. So yes. you all did great. I mean, you obviously have an amazing partnership, but probably not the best business practice for anyone else. So I, I wouldn't I'd recommend people take that page from your playbook specifically. <laughs> We, we agree. We agree. Yeah. And in fact, we've, once we've started our own journey, um, we've had plenty of nurses come to us as a resource saying, hey, I've got this great idea. We always say, stop. Let's sign a non-disclosure agreement. We're, Tofiki and I, we're not going to take anyone's idea. We're busy enough with our own stuff. Um, but we do that as a teaching moment to tell yeah. people, you know, as trustworthy as him and I are, um, and people may see us as we still don't want people to get used to that. So we always say, find yourself a non-disclosure agreement. They're easy to find. You can find templates, Google away, Google away, find a nice generalized template. We'd be happy to sign it and then we should talk. And mm -hmm. so we agree. We don't ever tell anyone to just randomly um, say their ideas. Um, plus, go ahead. I was just going to say, plus we understand that it's, although people may steal your idea, it's rare. Mm -hmm. So unless you're talking to the product developer at um, Medline, for example, it's unlikely that someone else is going to have the, the drive and energy and passion about whatever's in your backpack that you have. Um, and then to put in two and a half years or three years of work just to make something uh, finally come to life is probably unlikely unless you mm -hmm. it's your baby and something that you created yourself. Right. But nonetheless, yeah, you still protect yourself. Exactly. Yeah. You do your due diligence. Exactly. So, right. So, you know, word to the wise for anyone listening who has an idea already or thinks they might be coming up with one. So let's talk about nursing school for a second. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you say, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about it. PTSD. So, oh my God. Tell me about it. It's been a long time for me, quarter century, but still it's like, I still tremble sometimes when I yes. think about it. So especially the NCLEX, that's another story. So oh, man. yeah. So in nursing school, Tofiki, what's your take on how nurses are or aren't oriented in nursing school towards their own brilliance and the creativity that they can bring to the table. What, what do you think in terms of what you experienced down, down and dirty when you were in nursing school? <laughs> um, I think nursing school is, as it's, it's, it's probably really not different from whether you went a quarter century ago to now, the, the, contact might be, the content might be different, but the stress is still the same. Uh -huh. the, the, the sleeping three hours and studying all night is still the same. And I think they're, they're teaching to the test, which makes sense. Like you mentioned, the NCLEX, it's important for people to, to be a safe nurse and understand what a safe nurse is and be able to pass their boards. But if you think about it, I talk about this to some of my current coworkers, a lot of us have a long way before we retire. A lot, if you're still in nursing school currently, your retirement is a far off from now. 
And mm-hmm. so imagine how healthcare has changed in the last 40 years and how it's going to change in the next 40 years. And so nursing schools are not preparing people um, for the transformation that is coming towards healthcare. Um, I think it's, it's, and I said, it's, it's still teaching people to be safe nurses, and that's important that we don't harm patients. But we also have to think about preparing nurses to solve the big problems that healthcare is going to be uh, uh solve the big problems that healthcare is going to be facing in the next 40 years, whether it be competition from Silicon Valley, whether it be competition from the Waltons, Walmart, Amazon, um, wherever that's coming from, nurses, the bedside nurses are the ones who take care of patients. And so teaching skill sets that encourage creativity, they encourage problem solving, not just the medication problem solving, not just the airway breathing circulation problem solving, but um, the inventive problem solving like we need to make a device that works for patients that live in their homes Mm -hmm. work for patients that that are in different settings not just the hospital setting um that make their lives better that keep them out of the hospital and i think nursing school can feed uh, i said patients i think nursing school can feed students those type of inklings so they can leave nursing school going you know what i'm a part of the healthcare industry not just at the bedside industry i'm um uh, the hospital industry i'm a part of the the creation of this whole of this whole industry, and I think that's going to encourage lots of people to come up with cool stuff and feel like they uh, to take ownership. That's what I want. I want nursing students to take ownership as soon as they pass their NCLEX, as soon as they get their 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 degree in hand, and their family's proud of them to take ownership of the industry that they're joining. Yeah, I often talk about the concept of intrapreneurship rather than mm. entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs are those staff people, no matter where they work, it doesn't matter what industry, but let's take healthcare who take ownership of their job and they don't just do things the same way everyone else does because that's the way we've always done it. They're thinking creatively and innovatively yeah. and they bring potential solutions to the table. So that's, that's how I see the function of an intrapreneur. Now that. we have all three of us switched over well, you all are still working clinically, but we're also entrepreneurs. We're out there with our own businesses. So yeah. we can take those skill sets and use them in both venues, in both milieus, depending what we're doing and who we're with and, wh- and where we're at. So if there's a listener out there, if you've been in a nursing program or you are in a nursing program and they actually are talking about entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurship or innovation or creativity, please email me at keith at nursekeith.com. Tell me what that experience is because I would like to know. And Joey, for you, um, what was your experience and what is your experience? You're in a BSN program now. Do they ever talk about innovation or creativity or coming up with cool ideas or does that get glossed over? I cannot recall uh, once actually <laughs> oh, no. having those words. And, you know, innovation now in the nursing world, it's a buzzword. So you are starting to see it every once in a while, but not, I don't think in the sense that, that you and I are talking, that we're talking mm-hmm. about today. Uh, you hear it a lot, but it's almost becoming watered down. And that's in the industry and that's in uh, nursing school as well. Uh, and I think we need to take back that uh, hold of that word and actually uh, take control of what we mean by innovation, like mm-hmm. Tofiku is meaning about driving healthcare and sort of seeing around the corner to create change. Uh, but I also have a unique perspective. I also teach uh, nursing uh, instructing, and and it's frustrating to see that 
we're not teaching these students. We're the, the curriculum is so packed with just yeah. what's going to be on the test next week. You know, off, we almost never are talking about uh, giving students free reign and exploring, letting their brains think laterally about things because they're mm-hmm. so driven to what's on the, the, uh, on the test next. That's true. So, Very true. Uh, and how can we be creative if we're in a box and worrying about, you know, select all that apply? Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And that's frustrating. And at the same time, there are some things happening. Uh, Joey, you may or may not, I think you may know Tim Raderstorff over at Ohio State University right? They have an innovation studio there and not just nursing and medical students, but other students as well are able to use their innovation studio to actually learn how to use a 3D printer or stuff like that. So have you all run into the Ohio, Ohio State people? Yes. Yeah. This is, <laughs> they're, so, they're amazing. Yeah. People. Something's in the water over there at Ohio State because they have t- they're they are pillars of what innovation should be mm-hmm. uh, in the nursing industry. What we've are actually, they sweating in the water over there anyway? I don't know. We, uh, we've met a few people from Ohio State that are just doing amazing things uh, in the innovation space within healthcare. And the, the lab that you speak of or the space, that's a passion project for me and has been. Yeah. Even that first night Tofiki and I met, we spent a good portion or I spent a good portion of that night telling him about this grand idea I have about a, a space where nurses can go and you can draw on the whiteboards with other nurses and take that idea and immediately punch it into the computer and print out a 3d printed, uh, urinal that does X, Y, Z. And, uh, so it's still something that we, uh, find interesting in a resource that we hope is more accessible um, to nurses and healthcare workers in the near future. That would just be amazing, actually. I um, hope so. And Tofiki, how about you? What's your take on this whole, you know, micro movement within nursing and healthcare? I think um, it's amazing. The, I loved your word, entrepreneurship, because yeah. I think that entrepreneurship and makerspaces go together. I think um, they 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 kind of have a they have a synergy together. Right. So if you're a hospital, like you were talking about, if you're a worker who's really invested and passionate about what you're doing and you want to make it better and not just going through the motions of working, you're going to need it. Eventually, you're going to need a space to make stuff. You're going to run into like, okay, I wanted to do this, but um, there goes the idea. It's gone. To have a space where at the end of your shift or during your lunch break, you're able to go down to somewhere on the campus and say to somebody who, who maybe it's another nurse who works in that fab lab or maybe somebody that the hospital is hired to work in the fab lab and say, we needed this on the floor earlier and I'm, and I'm not the only nurse who needed one or the only uh, nurse's aide who's needed one. Can you make that first and I can get it tomorrow or next week? Right. Fab That's lab amazing. meaning fabrication lab. Yes. Fabrication yeah. lab or maker space. Um, it's amazing to have these type of things because then you get the, the entrepreneurship and the makerspace kind of feeding off each other and nurses and other staff members in the hospital utilizing their creativity to soothe the patients. It's patient-centered care. It's personalized patient-centered care to a T. Like we made this for your dad because we knew that's the problem that he, he was having with his um, urinal or his hearing or something. And that, right. to, that to patients and families, it goes a long way that somebody worked on something just for your mom and just for your dad 
while they're here, we'll be able to come. And I think that's gonna, you're, you know, everybody's always worried about press gainy scores and, uh, and patient surveys. I think, yeah. I don't know what better way to get an A plus on the survey to say like, we made something for your mom and dad. And when they do make that phone call, I think that's, there's no way they're not gonna be excited to talk to those surveyors. Yeah, that I I agree with that. And I just had a little a little moment, like a little like mini mind blow. I was just thinking how this whole thing about personalized medic medical care, like where we've tapped the human genome, we're oh, starting wow. to look at, you know, gene-based therapies, like yeah. very specific individualized therapies for cancer, for instance, right? Yeah. So why can't we take that principle or that that uh the inspiration behind doing that kind of thing, you know, creating this personalized medical care and look at how can we create more personalized medical equipment and medical interventions. And I know we have, you know, things have to go through all sorts of committees and, yeah. you know, policies and procedures. So you can't just like create a new urinal and bring it up and say, hey, we're going to start using this because people are going to go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Have we talked about the safety concerns and da, da, da. Yes. So there's a lot more involved, but I think there's a way to do this. I just don't know how. But I think people like you are the ones who are going to make it happen. So I'm glad you all so. are younger than me because <laughs> you have a lot more time. So by the time you all are my age, I'll be I'll be dead, and you all will be have completely transformed the landscape. So I don't know. You're talking that. about uh, you're talking about personalized medicine. I don't know if I think to be able to have a gene. I mean, pills that work for your genes and all that stuff. I'm not sure if you'd be dead, Keith. I think you're going to uh, be like 150 and oh, having your, and no, no, doing your thousandth episode. And we'll be on no. there to, to say, I told you so. Tell me no. <laughs> tell me no. Don't say it. But I, no, I think, 150 now. But a point to make, Keith, uh, your mind-blown moment here is honestly that's where things need to happen. We need to be thinking about not necessarily – so for me – I like to think of the most crazy ideas and work backwards and then mm -hmm. we'll figure out how to get there. Just like you said, you know, let's worry. Let's think about this idea of creating individualized patient, uh, whether it's devices or um, gene therapy, whatever it may be. And then let's work back and then find the roadblocks along the way. Yeah. And that's right. the only way you can, uh, you can even attempt to uh, move problems. yourselves into the future. You have to think beyond what we're doing right now. Yeah. And then deal with the roadblocks and the, you know, how to get there. The A through Y, you can deal mm -hmm. with that later. Let's, but it's fun to think about Z and just say, it wow, is. wouldn't that be cool if, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can loop occupational therapists into this because thinking of yeah. all the healthcare providers out there, OTs are the people who actually like go into the lab and they create this custom orthotic for the patient's yes. hand, right? Yeah. OTs know this stuff. So let's loop them into this conversation. <laughs> we need to partner up with OTs and, and the healthcare yeah. industry would be, would be, would be, it'd go gangbusters. I think that'd be phenomenal. Absolutely. Tofiki. Now we have to uh, say goodbye shortly. So People can go to FrontierHealthResources.com. There's a couple cool videos on there that demonstrate the safe seizure pads. There's two videos. There's an animated one, right, and a non-animated yep. one. Yes, so sir. I watched those a little while ago for the second time. So people can check those out. I hope we're going to be able to embed them in the show notes so people can see them there, along with your, your headshots, your bios. I know you're both at John Muir Health in the Bay Area. So if people want to find you, they can stalk you there. 
and um, you know, accost you on their way out, on your way out to your car because they're like, "Let's go write on some napkins. We've got something to talk about." Right. We will, we would love those experiences. Just uh, I might be a little grumpy after a twelve-hour shift. Just a okay. heads up. Yeah, but you're open to stalkers. I, I'm, I, 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 okay, yeah, definitely. especially if they're innovative stalkers. That would innovative be great. stalkers are yeah. sure. Right, I'm an innovative way to stalk you. Right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna come up to you with like a prefabbed uh, urinal made of styrofoam. Or nice. right, I like that, it. But it has anyway. to hook to a smartphone and have some software backing to it. Right. That's true. Yeah, if it doesn't That's have true. some SART feature, we're not we're not letting you stalk us. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I digress. But it, are you all on social too? Can people find you on social media? Yes. Um, first is LinkedIn. Go ahead. Sure. LinkedIn, uh, myself, this is Joey. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just search Joey Ferry. You'll find me. Um, we'll have the then, links in the show notes too. Sure. And uh, and I'm connected with Keith as, with you, Keith, as well. So, uh, And that's pretty much it as far as social media for me. Uh, and then Tofiki has a little bit extra stuff there. I think it's just it's just LinkedIn and then kind of our social media aspect for Instagram for people who are Instagrammers. You can find me at tofiki.g.s.rn. Right. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. And, and I'll find you on Instagram as well. So, you know, I want to thank you both. This has been really fun. And I hope we can meet someday, maybe at the NNBA next year, when you all do a workshop and a presentation and you participate in the Shark Tank. I'm planning your lives right now. I appreciate that. I know. I've been trying to tell them all about it. We're, so. coming, we're, we're going to be there, and that's going to be an exciting conference to be at. That's great. Okay. So I really want to thank you both, and I thank those out there listening to episode 253 of the nurse Keith show head over to episode 253 and check out the show notes and please connect with tofiki and joey don't stalk them if you don't really (laughs) have to the nurse Keith show is edited and produced by rob johnston and mark cappy spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster make sure to head over to nursekeith.com to the drop down menu with resources you will find jobs free acls and BLS and PALS certification for your first certification that you need to take. And make sure you just hang out at nursekeith.com and in the Nurse Keith Nation and be in touch. So be well, dig deep, seek joy. And this is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful and sometimes innovative Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Tofiki and Joey saying goodbye from Bay Area, California the Bay Area of California. Now you know where to find them. You know where to stalk them. And we are bidding you all adieu and we'll catch you on the flip side.